The Beatles had a hit song back in 1965. The title of the song, Help. 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 I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone, I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? These were the lyrics of the song. Now when it comes to our life, when it comes to our life specifically in Christ and living for him, it can be a tough endeavor. Living the Christian life can be a difficult proposition. Here are the basic facts about your life spiritually. The fact of the matter is that you've, you've trusted, if you're saved today, if you're saved tonight, you've trusted in God for salvation. God has pulled you up out of the pit and he's placed you on a rock and he has given you a new life in him. And you're no longer just a person out there trying to make it on your own. You have a new life in God and God has sent his spirit into your life to help you to live the Christian life for him. He's sent a helper. He didn't leave you just on the side of the road. He didn't leave you just as an orphan child. He sent a helper. He sent you the Holy Spirit to help you live this new spiritual life in the kingdom. And you're now living your life with the Spirit of God. When you were born of the Spirit, you became God's son or God's daughter. And what you need to understand is that he wants to make you into a man of God or a woman of God. Now, sometimes we think of a man of God or a woman of God, we think of them being so, the, the greats in the Bible that we read about, right? Oh, they were a man of God. Or we look at some great person in ministry, you know, in front of crowds of people, and oh, they're a man of God. But the reality is that God has made you a person of God. He's making you into a man of God. And he's making you into a woman of God if you're here and you're a lady. And so you're either a woman of God or a, man, a, a woman of God in progress, a man of God, a man of God in progress. And you may think that spiritually that you are just kind of looking on at the real men and women of God. But God is wanting to help us to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Now, some people have felt that living the Christian life is hard, and, is, and, it, and it is. It is because Jesus said it this way, it's a straight and narrow path. Wide is the road, easy is the road that leads to destruction. Oh, just hop on. The ACDC said it this way, I'm on the highway to hell. It's easy, just as wide lanes. Man, you just get up there and cruise, pick a lane. Wide is the road, Jesus said, that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. Famous rocker Alice Cooper said it this way, who is, by the way, now a Christian. He said this, I'll throw the quote up on the screen. He said, drinking beer is easy. Trashing your hotel room is easy. But being a Christian... That's a tough call. That's rebellion. 
You want to you wanna rebel? Then rebel against the easy culture that's out there that's going the other direction and take on the road less traveled. Take on yourself the path of the narrow street. Amen? So in order to live this life for God, we need help. We need some help. And God sent a help. He sent a helper. Tonight in our text, Jesus told the disciples that he would send them a helper. He tells them that he's going away, but that he's not going to leave them as orphans. He's not going to leave them on their own. Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit will come to them and that he will be their helper and he will, he will lead them into truth. He's the spirit of truth. And that not only that, he will be in them. So if you're taking notes and you need some help tonight, amen. The first point is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Let's pick it up in John 14, verse 15. Jesus said this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. The first and greatest commandment of the Bible is to love God, right? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And for those born of the Spirit, through believing in Jesus Christ, we must understand that Jesus is God, and so the command to love God is also a command to love Christ, right? The command to love God is also a command to love Jesus. Now, when we're asked to love Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me. And, 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 and the command to love God, therefore being a command to love Jesus, hey, we're talking about loving God who came and took upon human flesh, who loved you so much that he went to a gruesome death on a cross. Now, now this person that did this for you, that, that's, not, that's not too hard of a person to love. I mean, there's some hard people to love, <laughs> you know? There's some hard people to love, but Jesus loves you so much, and he gave everything for you in such an awesome, incredible way and so the command is to love Jesus. So the first lesson in living spiritually is loving Jesus. Amen? The first lesson in living spiritually is loving Jesus. Now next, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now this is where it gets tough. <laughs> See, the first part of that's the easy part. Oh, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You went to the cross. Thank you that you're a way maker, a light in it all. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Now, keep my commandments, right? Now, now this is where it gets interesting. It can get interesting. So this is where we need the helper. This is where we need somebody that's going to help her. You see, the thing is that in obeying the commands, when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, in obeying the commands, this is where the rubber meets the road in walking out and living the Christian life. I mean, we can sit and like, you know, we can sit and pontificate about philosophies and sit in little groups and whatever and kind of have a little huddle, a little holy huddle, 
and talk about the things. But when we get out there in the world, when we get out there into our lives, when we get out there into our families and our jobs and, and all this stuff, that's where the rubber meets the road in keeping the commands. And so the, the commands aren't just hypothetical philosophies, but they are actual commands that, are, that guide our actions, that guide our thoughts, that guide our lives. And for that reason, Jesus knew that we would need a helper for our new spiritual life. And so Jesus said in verse 16, he said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus is saying that the Father is going to give you a helper to love God and love one another. What's that? Because keeping the commands is, is really like, you know, we have the Ten Commandments, and then they can be summed up in two commandments, really. You can sum the ten up in two. Actually, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament that, that you can literally sum up into two commands, amen? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so because we're going to keep the commands, we need a helper and, the, and Jesus says the Father is going to send you a helper. Now the helper, this helper, is the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is going to help. How's he going to help? <laughs> you know, he's going to help. Okay, we got a helper. We got somebody that's going to help us. All right, great. How's he going to help? What is his role in helping one of the main things that he does in this world is found in John 16, a couple chapters after this, uh, beginning at verse 7. You can turn over there if you want to, but I'm going to read it for you. Jesus said in that section, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so Jesus came into, Jesus sends, is, is, uh, the Father is sending the, the helper and the helper has a specific job description. I think I just talked about this last week or the week before, that the Holy Spirit actually is our helper and that help is, 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 is a, there's a specific job description of that help. And it's, it's, it's first and and foremost oriented and geared around convicting and convincing us of our sin. He's come, he's called alongside of us to convict and convince us of our sin. Why? Because he wants to bring us to repentance, right? The Spirit's desire is to bring you to repentance. Now, what's repentance? Repentance is turning. Repentance is turning. It's turning away from what you're doing, which is the direction that you're going in your sinful life. The, the, the prophet Isaiah put it this way, we've all, like sheep, gone our own way, right? We've gone our own direction. And then the Holy Spirit comes and finds us on that path, on that wide road, and he says, I want you to turn around, and I've got another path for you. It's a narrow path, but it leads to life, amen? So repentance is saying, I'm turning away from the wide easy way, and I'm going to take the narrow street. Amen? And so repentance is turning. And then he wants, us, he wants to bring us to confession. 
confession. So because it's through confession that our sins are cleansed, amen? John put it this way in his epistle. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sounds pretty awesome, right? Now, I've said it before. Many other preachers have said it. That's, that's, that's a verse that, that every Christian should be able to say, amen? 1 John 1, 9, I mean, you should be able to go. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, amen? Because that is awesome. Now, the first part of it, it says if. If we confess our sins. Confession in the New Testament Greek is agreeing, is agreeing. Repentance is turning. Confess, confession is agreeing. It's basically saying, God, you're right about this. This is sin. And I want to get it taken care of. I need forgiveness. I need help. Right? And so the Holy Spirit wants to bring us to that place of confession. Amen? And then the Holy Spirit brings us to a, that place of justification and sanctification. And justification and sanctification is the process where we are restored to perfection. Amen? Justification is a word that simply means you've been justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned, right? When you come to Christ and your sins are forgiven, the atonement is applied to your life, you are made perfect. And then you're put in a process of sanctification where he's working out that justification in a process called sanctification where he is learning, teaching you to divide your walk on that straight and narrow path, that straight and narrow street. Amen? So this is what is the, the, the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, another role... Another way that the Spirit helps is wrapped up in the idea of the word helper. I'm going to send a helper to you, right? The word for helper back in 16 in John 14, 16. I'll pray to the Father and he will send you a helper. In verse 16, the word helper is translated comforter or counselor, and it's the Greek word parakletos, right? Comforter or counselor, and it's the Greek word parakletos, and it com comes from two Greek words, para meaning beside, and kletos meaning called. So the Holy Spirit is your helper that's called alongside of you to be with you, amen? To help you, to give you direction, to, to, to be there, to give you that strength, to give you that power. Jesus says when you receive... Uh, when, the, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses, to be that, that, those believers in, in me. And, and so we've got a, we've got a parakletos. We've got a, 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 a person that's been called alongside. The Holy Spirit is called alongside of you to help you in your life. You have a person. The Spirit of God is with you. He said, I never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you. Always, I, I will be with you to the very end of the age, Jesus says. By his spirit, he's with you in every situation. And he's a person. He's not just an idea. He's not just a concept. It's just not, it's, it, and it's not some type of uh, 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 an idea like that. He, it's a, he's a literal 
person of the Godhead who is with you, who has been called alongside of you. Amen? And Jesus says here, he will abide with you forever. So you're never alone, Christian. You're never, ever alone. I don't care. And, and one of the things that we have in this world today, which is crazy, because the world, we have 7 billion people in the world, and everywhere you go, you know, there's traffic, and I was just in big city, and there's just even more people and everything, and, and we've got all this social media and gadgets and all this and connectivity to everyone, and you know that loneliness is one of the biggest issues that is facing the world today. People need the Lord. People need the Lord, and the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, is going to lead you into connectivity with the body of Christ and fellowship. Amen? And so that's what is so important. So he says he's going to abide with you forever. You're never alone. Secondly, tonight, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is our God. Let's go back to the text Verse 17, let's pick it up, verse 16, and read it into 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Jesus said, not only will the Spirit be a helper, but, the, but he is the Spirit of truth. This comforter, this counselor that's called alongside you to be with you, to abide with you forever, to be in you, he's the Spirit of truth. And if there's anything, anything that you and I need in 2020, it's truth. Amen? We need truth. If there's anything the world needs today, it's truth. Why? Because people, well, number one, there's strong delusion in the world. There's, there's deceit from the enemy of our souls. People, he, he's the liar. He's the deceiver, right? He's the great deceiver. And because pe people like to, people like to, some people actually enjoy living a life of fantasy over living in reality. Because it is, and it's generally usually an escape of some kind, escaping into a world that's not real. The word for truth here literally is a word that means the truth, according to truth, in reality, in fact, it's the idea of what is ultimately real. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of what is ultimately real. Years ago, when I was a kid, my dad went to Asia on a trip. Uh, he was in uh, the Philippines. He was all over the place in Hong Kong. In Japan and Korea and whatever. He spent a month, I think, in, in the Philippines teaching in a Bible college. But anyways, he spent some time in Hong Kong. And when he was in Hong Kong, he, if you go to Hong Kong, you shop, <laughs> right? And he went up to this one stand in Hong Kong, and it, and it had jeans. And up on the back wall, it had like all the patches. Now, this was back in the 80s, right? Okay. 
when the whole designer gene thing, I mean, there was, you, I don't know what it was before the 60s. You know, you, some of you guys from the 60s and 50s, you can tell me. But, you know, there weren't that many. You had Levi's and you had a couple Lee's maybe, whatever. And then in the 70s and 80s, the whole jeans thing, that's when it really began to go nuts. And so you had Guest and you had Sergio Valente and you had Jordash. And for the girls, you had Gloria Vanderbilt, at, right? And you had the little swan on you. How many girls had the little swan jeans? Yeah, look at all of you. Yeah, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And then, and then I was real proud because I had an early pair of Calvin Kleins. Calvins, right? Yeah, Calvins. So if you had a pair of Calvins back then, that was, that was. But anyways, my dad's up at this jean shop and there's all these jeans and it had all the, the back patches of all the jeans. So you could walk up to the thing and say, I want a pair of jeans. And they could tell you, well, which brand do you want? You want the Sergio Valentes, you want the Jordash, you want the Guess, you want the Calvins. And they would literally sew the back patch in front of you right on the back of the jeans. So you didn't really have a pair of Calvin Kleins. You thought you had a pair of Calvin Kleins. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. Now later... It's actually a little while ago now. I worked in the golf industry, and we worked at a really nice pro shop in, in Orlando. And uh, we had all high-line, you know, golf clubs. And one of the golf clubs that they sold in there was Callaway. Callaways. Any, any golfers in the house tonight? You know, Callaway clubs, right? Big Berthas, stuff like that. And uh, Callaway started getting... Um, clubs in because they had a they had warrant they had a really good warranty on their golf clubs and they started getting clubs that were being submitted for warranty and people were looking at the clubs when they would come in for warranty and and someone in the in the down in the factory said well, these aren't our clubs they were the exact replica copies coming out of China right that's what we're dealing with right now we're dealing with this the stealing of the intellectual property, right? And they were making stuff that wasn't the real deal, right? Jesus says, I'm sending you a helper and he's gonna lead you into truth, into actual reality, into, into what's real, amen? Now here's what the atheist will tell us. The atheist will tell us that it's the Christian that's living in a delusion, Right? The God delusion. If you believe in God, if you believe in a God, if you believe in Jesus and all that stuff, it's, it, you are a deluded person. You are living in a delusion. He calls it the God delusion. Richard Dawkins. H huge book, right? And, and what the, the actual truth of the matter is, is that it is the unbeliever that is living in delusion and living a deluded life. Because they do not know the person of Christ who literally said, I am truth. I am what is ultimately real. Amen? And we have a helper that is called alongside us to guide us, to bring us into truth every step of the way, every day. Amen? And we need that. We need that so much in our lives. Because you can go out there and you can... You can even fool yourself for a little while, you know? It's like when you pay the bills, you know? 
you pay all the bills and you know you got all the, the money in the, the checking account, right? You pay the bills. And then you go out and you're out and you say, oh, I need some cash. And you get like, you know, $40, $40 cash. And you look at the, the receipt and the balance says, oh, but, but you know that's not the real balance because the, the, the bills haven't been paid, but you already paid the bills online. But then you go out and live like that's the balance. See, that's, that's, that's living in a delusion. That's not living in the way that Christ wants us to live. And so he said it later in John 16. I'll have it up on the screen behind me. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Now, if you lived the rest of your life in truth, that would be an amazing life, an amazing life. The trajectory of your life would be just one set of awesomeness <laughs> because you cannot ever go wrong with living in truth and living with the spirit of truth as your guide who will guide you into truth. Now, a few years ago, I came up with this thing called the gospel according to the mall. Do you remember that? Remember I came up with the gospel according to the mall? You start out at the Apple store, you look up at the logo and you see the bite out of it, and you go, yeah, that's where it all went wrong, right? Then you go to Target, and you realize that sin is actually missing the mark. It's missing the target. It's falling short of the glory right? And then you went, went to the gap, and you realize there's a gap of sin, a canyon of sin that you can't get across. And you realize that Jesus came in it, to bridge the gap, the canyon that you couldn't get across, and he brings you into, for as long as it lasts, forever 21. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Now, now tonight, I'm, I'm rolling out a different one. This is the gospel of the sport utility vehicle. The, the gospel of the sport utility vehicle. John the Baptist was called the forerunner, right? John the Baptist is the forerunner. He's the one that went out in front of Christ to prepare the path, to prepare the way. Amen? And Jesus then came and lived his life and eventually went up on the ridge line of Mount Moriah to a hill called Golgotha and gave his life on Calvary. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit is the navigator. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the navigator. He's going to navigate. He's going to bring you through life. He's going to bring you into all truth. Amen? And God does all of this to make turn you into a sequoia a tree planted and grounded in truth. Psalm chapter one, verse three. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen? That you're called to be a tree planted, firm, brought into the reality of Christ. Amen? The main truth that the Spirit wants to guide you into is the truth about Jesus and who he said he was, that Jesus is God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for the sins of the world and was resurrected from the dead. This is the basic tenets of the gospel, believing upon him. 
The Holy Spirit will guide you in all matters of conscience and morality and walking that straight, narrow path that God has us on. Now, other people will make rules for you to follow. The Holy Spirit will help you to obey the Lord's commands, to obey God's commands. If you love me, keep my commands, right? Amen, amen. Now, the Holy Spirit is in you. Let's go back to the text, verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Not only is this the Spirit your helper, not only is he your guide to guide you into truth, but he is in you. Jesus said the Spirit will dwell with you and will be in you. When you are born of the Spirit, the Spirit then dwells with you and in you. He is no longer out there somewhere, but he's right here. He's right here with you wherever you go. God told Joshua in another famous scripture, happens to be actually 1-9 as well, right? 1 John 1-9, this is Joshua 1-9. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's going to be with you. God is with you wherever you go. He's there to, so, that, so that you can have strength, so that you can have power, so that you can have the courage. Remember what Alice Cooper said. It's easy. Drinking a beer, easy. Trashing a hotel room, going out here doing this. I don't, it, it doesn't take anything for me to give in to my flesh. That's easy. But living for God, now that's something. And I need the Holy Spirit that's in me that's going to guide me, that's going to give me the power, that give me the strength, that, that's going to help me stand uh, in his might, right? We don't stand in our own strength. He says, now, now stand in the power of his might, Paul said to the Ephesians. Because we've got the power, we've got the spirit with us, we've got the spirit in us. Paul asked the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 3.16, I'll have it up on the screen, he said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know? Now, this is a church that was off into some wild stuff. The entire book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Read the first several chapters of Corinthians. It's some, you want to read some wild, crazy stuff that the Corinthian church was into. You know, I've heard many preachers preach on Corinthians and, the, you know, that, you know, they had a phrase in Corinth. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Type of thing. That's the type of place. So, but you've got the Spirit. You're the temple of God. You are the temple of God, and the Spirit dwells in you. He's with you. Now, he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You are never alone. You're not an orphan. An orphan is a person that you know, their, their parents have died or they're, they're, they've been abandoned, parents have passed away or what, whatever, they're just left without a parent, right? So they're orphan. He says, I'm not gonna leave you like an orphan. I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. The Father is sending the Spirit and the, 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 the Spirit has been sent. You, you have the Lord, you have the helper. 
who is with you every step of the way. You are not an orphan. Now, there's the famous poem that existed called Footprints. Remember Footprints in the Sand? And the man asked God, he said, look, I, I look back and, and I look at the footprints on the, on the sand on the beach, and you said you'd never leave me or forsake, forsake me, but when I look back, what about that time there where, there where there's only one set of footprints in the sand? And in the little poem, in the little parable, God said, well, yeah, that's where I carried you. <laughs> right? That's where I carried you. Now, I added something to the poem. You see that long groove in the sand there? That's where I dragged you, kicking and screaming. <laughs> but God is there. He's there to carry us. Even when we can't make it, the, the Bible says that Israel was literally carried on eagles' wings into the promised land. Right? Carried on eagles' wings because he's there for us. Amen? Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, if he's there and he's dwelling with us and he's in us and he's the spirit of truth and the, the spirit of He's going to guide us into all truth. All these things are true. How do we get at this help? How do we get at it? How do we acquire it? How do we tap into it day by day? Jesus taught us, and he gave us three simple words to remind us of how to tap into it. He said, ask Seek, knock, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened up to you. Amen? This is called a relationship with God. Asking, seeking, knocking. The context there of that passage is literally about the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we day by day, we have this this talk with the Lord. We have this conversation with Christ and we're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking at the door. And Jesus said, we already talked about it, he's a promise keeper. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So this is how we acquire the help that we need. It's found in a relationship with God. It's found in learning to lean on God. It's found in leaning, as we used to sing years ago, leaning on the everlasting arms. It's wrestling with God day by day. Remember when we did the, the message WrestleMania about wrestling with God? And this is really a picture of the the of the relationship with God that we have. Israel literally means to, to, to wrestle with God. This is the idea of the spiritual person, is to, is to wrestle with the Lord. 
And, and, and that's where Jacob said, he's wrestling with him all night, and he said, I'm not going to let you go, Lord. This is, this, is, this, is, this is called asking and seeking and knocking. It's called wrestling. I'm not going to let you go, Lord, until you bless me. And he blessed him, but then he touched the hip, the socket of his hip. And that passage in Genesis says he, he walked with a limp over the hill called Penuel. And the rest of his days, Jacob walked with a limp until he came to his deathbed. And the text tells us in, uh, in Genesis 49 when he called the 12 sons to bless them. And the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jacob, when he was dying, leaning on his staff, he blessed his sons because he had learned how to wrestle with the Lord. Amen? And it's a powerful picture of what it means to walk with God through life and depend upon God and wrestle with God and ask and seek and knock and have him take you to those places that he wants to take you. So wrestle with God. Ask, for, ask him for what he puts in your heart. Believe in him for what he has promised and trust in him with everything that you've got.